0: this is the breakfast wrap with john moore
1: good morning it's john moore this is the breakfast wrap for this friday january 13th. Here's the weather forecast for today. A few flurries will come to an end this morning but expect cloudy skies. Another dusting of snow also in the forecast and the high just minus three degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, an East End school shooting leaves one adult injured. Number two, the LCBO confirms a malware attack. Number three, human remains are discovered on the grounds of a former residential school. Number four, the transportation minister in Ottawa denies responsibility for all of the Christmas travel chaos. And number five, Elvis's only child dies at the age of 54.
0: The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: on a Friday morning. It's a great riff to start the day with. Okay, a lot of takeaway at this hour. First of all, if you're, you know, one of those people who wakes up with us but uh, is still lying flat on the back in the bed under a nice comfortable comforter wondering what's going on outside, the weather did not conspire too much against us. It's definitely a little on the slippy side out there, but... Certainly by my eye, and this only accounts for anything south of St. Clair and north of the, uh, the waterfront, but maybe two, three centimeters of snow, pretty easy to clean off of the car, and uh, not all that greasy a ride in this morning. Now, you know, maybe you're already well into your day, and you want to tell me, John Barry, it's a complete and utter nightmare, you know, and you can always do that at 7, 10, 10. You can send us a text to alert us to any special circumstances you may be experiencing. So there's still some snow coming down, but again, this is not one of those days where you wake up and think, super, my commute's going to be you know, 50% longer than it normally might be. Looks like we're in pretty good shape out there. Other aspect would be this being Friday, January the 13th. I guess if you want to get into any degree of superstition, you can. But the wider issue would be that uh, Port Dover is getting all ready for another one of those days where, I forget what the figure is the last time we did a count for how many motorcyclists go to Port Dover on any given Friday, the thirteenth. I imagine the cold weather might persuade some people that maybe it's not such a great idea. I always find it fascinating because I got a friend out in Port Dover, and so we went in and spent a weekend, and I spent some time talking to all kinds of people that do business there. And it's either a fantastic day because you are just gonna make bank and you're gonna serve a hundred more breakfast than you might serve on any given day or you're going to retail some stuff or there are people who simply put a padlock on the front door and get the heck out of the city. What so last year, here? John, on yes. May 13th, I guess, mm-hmm. Friday the 13th, 100,000 people had shown up. Wow, 100,000. It all, you know, I love things that are genuinely Spontaneous and sort of created from whole cloth, because I have to go look it up again. I should have done this, you know, in anticipation of talking about it this morning. Because I did a a, a lot of research about thirteenth Friday the thirteenth and uh, Port Dover several years ago. Now I don't remember all the stuff I learned at the time, but it started out. I'm pretty sure it was like a guy who ran a motorcycle repair shop who just said, "Hey, it's Friday the thirteenth. People should come and you know visit me." And now it's this incredible ritual. And I guess then you get to the point where you, if you're a motorcycle owner and rider, you feel like you're missing out if you don't participate in this particular ritual. I have to ask um, Jerry Agar when he gets in this morning. I don't think he's ever been. I mean, you know, probably conflicts with him being on the air. But if he's ever been to Port Dover on Friday the 13th. But anyway, to uh, all who observe and celebrate, um, there you are.
2: It's a sweet, sweet Friday!
1: (laughs) It is also a sweet, sweet Friday. Although, a touch fraught, I will confess, because my father was born this day in 1926. He's no longer with us, as you know. And my mother had the calamitous timing of dying on my father's birthday. Uh, yeah, Dick Marano, you look somewhat amazed by that. But.
3: Well, I'm sure there are statistics out there. Uh, some people actually die on the same day that they were born.
1: Yes, I've seen that on a few uh, tombstones. So, yeah, without dwelling on it uh, forever, I remember it was my dad's birthday, and so we agreed my brother would sit with my mother, and I would take my dad out for lunch so he could have a bit of a break, and then I get a text during lunch, and I just said, we gotta go. And I walked my dad out to my car and my father turned to me and said, she's gone, isn't she? And I said, yes, she is. And um, so, yeah, it's it's a day with a, a few memories, but those of you who have been with us through the long journey on this show since I started doing the afternoon show and then we launched our show in the morning in 2009, you'll remember my parents when they were still vital and funny and from those times when I would cold call my mother And then about a minute in, she'd say, we're on the air, aren't we? Yes, we are, Mom. Um, And so people used to enjoy that. And like anybody my age, then we get to the various stations of the cross, and that includes losing your parents. So I don't know if I have any special wisdom on this, but we cannot ignore it, that at an East York school yesterday, they ended up being placed under lockdown, Because a gun was, I love the clinical nature of this phrase, a gun was discharged. No, somebody fired a gun. And the bullet apparently, it was in a bathroom, the bullet ricocheted off the wall and ended up wounding an adult who happened to be in that washroom along with possibly about six young people at the same time. So we really, we have almost no you know, verifiable intelligence, but exactly what the heck was going on. Uh, The gun apparently was recovered. CP-24, our sister TV station, captured police picking up what appeared to be a handgun outside of the school. And it should be said that the adult who was wounded, it was extraordinarily minor. It may not even be any degree of of penetration by uh, the bullet. But here is Toronto Police Service's Jason Albanese. (laughs) Um, we have since learned that there were six uh, persons of interest involved in this incident. They fled when the police were uh, called, and they went eastbound on Cosburn Avenue. Uh, we are looking into the identity of these six people as we speak. We believe we know who was involved. We're just trying to piece together what their uh, respective roles were involved in this incident. Um, we have not recovered a a weapon involved in this incident. And this makes another feature that I, um... You know, cut and pasted early this morning, getting ready for the show, it throws some interesting light on it. It is a uh, it's not a study necessarily, but some raw data that suggests that young people are increasingly involved in crime and violent crime. And the presumption is that this is due to the disconnect and the upheaval of of covid. So we'll, we'll endeavor to unpack this story today, but it seems to be one of those things where, okay, you got the top line that it appears that young people are engaging in more erratic, sometimes criminal behavior. What we can attribute that to is going to remain a mystery for a good long time. But I think it's fairly safe to assume, as we have for, for a good long time, that the disruption of COVID and the lockdowns and kids having to learn from home and you having to work from home and you having lost touch with family members and friends and all of that stuff that that would lead to some kind of social upheaval.
0: Time for What Toronto is Talking About with News Talk 1010. John Moore. John, happy Friday the 13th.
1: Happy Friday the 13th, absolutely. And a whole bunch of motorcyclists headed to Port Dover today.
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh, we're going to start off with some pretty freaky news as well. You know, we've seen a string of gun violence in schools, and this latest incident really attests to that. A gun was fired inside an East York High School bathroom during a fight.
1: Yeah, the name of the school, East York Alternative Secondary School. It's near Cosborne and Coxwell Avenues. And around 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon, a gun was fired in a washroom. There were, they think, about six individuals in the washroom at the time. And the bullet ricocheted off the wall and ended up injuring one of the adults who was in the room. Still a lot of questions to be answered here, but police did recover the weapon. And they say they know the identities of the people who were in the room at the time.
0: Mm -hmm. And our CP24 uh, cameraman got a shot of what looked like a gun underside, under a vehicle near that school. So we don't know if that's related, but certainly a very disconcerting situation. Alright, and John, you know, a day after UHN declared a code grey, that was not a cyber attack, but now malicious code has been found on the LCBO website. Their system was down, and customer data may have been
1: compromised. LCBO confirming malicious code, you're absolutely right, was found by an unauthorized party. It was embedded in the LCBO websites. They believe that the effort was on not only to disable things at the LCBO but to get at people's credit card numbers and maybe some of their secret uh, information, passwords, that kind of stuff. So, uh, they knocked the app and the LCBO online, the website, off um, uh, off of the internet as of Tuesday afternoon. And it should be noted, this does not affect you. If you were shopping in a brick and mortar, for example, then nothing of your information has been compromised, but those people on the web may have some concerns all the passwords have been automatically reset.
0: Okay, well, hopefully no one has their information compromised. We'll wait and see. Uh, and happening next week, John, Ontario's Auditor General is set to make a decision on the Greenbelt investigation.
1: This is a joint effort by all of the opposition parties. So the NDP, the Liberals, and the Green parties all coming together and asking the Auditor General to look into the provincial government's reopening of the Green Belt. It's a fraught file. I don't know if they're necessarily ever going to find any kind of a smoking gun. Um, but, you know, this is definitely something that is roiling through Queen's Park right now.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And some uh, pretty devastating and disturbing news to talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, 2,000 anomalies found during a radar search at a former residential school, including bone fragments that belong to what they believe is a 4- to 6-year-old child.
1: Yeah, it's more than 100 years uh, old, those human remains that you're mentioning, but a Saskatchewan First Nations uh, group says they used ground-penetrating radar at the site of a former residential school, which only closed about 20 years ago. And as you mentioned, they found 2,000 anomalies. You always have to be very careful when we come across a story like this, because people talk about things like mass graves, and in fact, many of them are graves, conventional graves. It's just that they weren't Mm -hmm. labeled and they weren't actually identified but it's still uh, another one of those um, awful stories from our past with indigenous peoples
0: yeah absolutely Okay, ending with this one, John. I don't know if uh, if you were fascinated with Barbies like me growing up as a kid. I love playing with Barbie, and now uh, the new Barbie is being released, and they're releasing something called the flesh tone modesty undergarments, which sounds very uh, very interesting. But what I understand is that you know no more over inflated chest and ridiculously tiny waist.
1: This is a Barbie <laughs> that is being purpose built for young kids. So uh, Barbie conventionally was for probably you know six seven eight, and then moving forward, and maybe you lost interest at the age of 13. It's funny you mentioned, did I have any uh, Mm -hmm. affinity for Barbie when I was a kid? No. Like most guys, I had an older sister who had a Barbie, and the only thing that fascinated me was how her knees clicked if you bent them. Yes. Uh, But this new Barbie (laughs) is 13.5 inches tall, which is two inches taller than a traditional Barbie, has a larger waist, and it de-emphasizes the bust line. And it's been, like I said, purpose-built for kids with small hands and less motor skills. So that they can enjoy the Barbie experience.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, I'm glad they're, you know, catching on to the diversity train and being more conscious about what kind of toys they're putting out there for <laughs> young girls. I will have to get one and add it to my old school collection. News Talk 1010's John Moore. Have a great weekend, John. We'll chat with you next week. Take care.
1: Jennifer Chung over at uh, CP24 and. Nick Marano, do you have any completely useless information on Barbie? Except that I never know if this was an urban myth or not. That the woman who invented Barbie also, like, contributed to the Pershing Missile, or something like that.
3: Well, that's something that we're researching. We did actually bring up Barbie on our show, totally useless information, which, by the way, is on tonight at midnight, in case you can't sleep. But, uh, you know, we're talking about how knees click when you bent bent her. There's also a geriatric Barbie (laughs) where her knees also click. There you go. You know what?
1: At, At the risk of spending way too much time talking about my parents this morning. But when I was a kid, I always knew exactly what step my mother was on when she was coming up the stairs. So, you know, if I was staying up late and reading a book when I was supposed to have turned off the lights, whatever, so that I could be ready for when she came charging through the door. Uh, And it was all based on the clicking of her knees as she went up the staircase. And honestly, I knew when she was on the eighth step, and I knew when she was on the twelfth step. It's 525. You want to I add do something? I do have some
3: informa- more all information. Right. <laughs> she did have a middle name. Barbie? Yeah. Okay. In case, you know, Barbie's mom was like really mad at her. Yes. Barbie Millicent Roberts. Millicent. Millicent is her middle name. Okay, now we got to do a bunch of
1: research because I'm trying to remember what the name of the inventor of Barbie was, and it might have been Millicent, but I will task you with this, and you and Joe can, can do all the research. It is interesting to consider how much a part of pop culture one simple doll from Mattel uh, can be. And of course, all of this in anticipation of, I think it's next July, they're coming out with a Barbie movie.
0: You're listening listening. to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore.
1: 5.36 on a Friday morning. Few people flagging the fact that um, they, they got more snow than I got. And I, perfectly understand. I'm in a zone that doesn't get a lot of snow. I mean, honestly, in this city, as you move away from the lake northward, you're almost in a different zone weather-wise from Bloor to St. Clair to Eglinton to Lawrence to the 401 and the 407. And uh, so, yeah, some people are signaling that they woke up to considerably more snow than I woke up to this morning. So we'll continue to monitor that as a traffic situation. The only thing you really need to know is it doesn't seem like we're in some sort of a paralyzing situation, but you are going to have to brush off the car at the very least. And owing to way the temperatures the way the temperatures were uh, you know sort of moving around yesterday, uh, certainly where I was, and again, it could be a completely different experience wherever you are but had to scrape down the windows because when I brushed them off, there was still stuff adhering to the windows. And I always think, okay, I can turn on the defrost and wait, but probably sometime between pulling onto Avenue Road and getting to like Bluer, there's going to be a police officer who says, hey, dude, you got to clean these windows off.
3: So And uh, spraying the windshield washer fluid on your windshield does not help matters.
1: No, no. Um, but I, I mean, you know, like, so many other people, Nick i um you know I get in the you get in the car, you turn it on, you turn on the rear defrost, you put the, the as much heat as you possibly can on the uh, windshield in the front, and then you lower and raise and lower and raise and lower and raise the windows, hoping that you don't actually have to get out with the scraper and and do the work yourself or burn out your windows, yes, that too. Uh, Lisa Marie Presley passing away at the age of 54. And she was nine years old when her father died. She has lived, um, how would one characterize it? Because she's, she's a pop culture figure. But not exactly, you know, one of the great towering presences in pop music. It was, just, it was just so expected, I think, because she was the daughter of one of the most famous people in modern pop history that a lot was expected of her. She was only nine, as mentioned, when her father passed away. And let it never be forgotten, she was married four times. Uh, four husbands, including Michael Jackson and Nicolas Cage. And where is this particular piece of tape from, Nick? This is where she was on an awards show, and she and Michael Jackson at the time were married, and they kissed. And it was just
3: yeah, there was glaringly the MTV uncomfortable. Music awards. Yeah, yeah, and Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie came out on stage, and this is what happened. Okay. I'm very happy to be here, and just
1: think, nobody thought this would last. And who will ever know what the real story was behind that marriage, behind Michael Jackson, all of that stuff. How those two ended up getting married. It just seemed like the greatest publicity stunt of all time. And it also seemed like a way of getting around the notion that Michael Jackson might actually be a pedophile. Um, But Lisa Marie Presley... My personal memory of Lisa Marie Presley is back in the day when we were doing the afternoon show, we were at number two St. Clair back then, and she was booked to do an interview. And I'd listened to the album that she'd recorded, and to be perfectly honest, there was nothing remarkable about it. And the publicist came breezing in, as they often do when a famous person is about to enter the room, and the publicist said, by the way, you can't ask about Elvis Presley or Michael Jackson. <laughs> okay, are we going to talk about her trenchant lyrics? I mean, what are we going to talk about? And actually, I've got another funny story about that particular encounter, which is my boss at the time uh, is, was a huge Elvis fan. His name is Blair. And he came in, and he puts his foot up on the counter in front of Lisa Marie Presley, and he raises his pant leg, and there is a tattoo of Elvis on his calf, And she was completely unimpressed. And Blair said, you know what would be really interesting? Is if you had a tattoo of my father on your leg. So anyway, it was not a particularly fruitful encounter, I I must confess. And I'm sorry that an awful lot of my archives from back then um, have, I guess, been lost, because it would have been interesting to revisit that conversation and see if we actually talked about anything important. But, you know, on on top of all of those crazy stories, there is simply a woman, 54, Lisa Marie Presley, who has uh, passed away at a very young age. And I knew as soon as I saw this yesterday that everybody was going to say, oh, must be the vaccine. Can we get back to – we had an amazing conversation yesterday with a guy who debunks garbage science, Timothy Caulfield. There is to date no indication – that anybody is suffering, uh, is is dying uh, as a result of the vaccine, and if it were the case, we have surveillance and signal means by which we would determine that it was happening. You know, somebody yesterday said, "Well, what about Thalidomide?" Well, Thalidomide got flagged pretty quickly. As a matter of fact, it was a Canadian woman who was the first to start recording it and sounding the alarm. And the horrible aspect of it was that thalidomide was a drug that was prescribed to pregnant women to fight against morning sickness. And so, even when children with deformities started to be born, there were more children, you know, more women who were pregnant with babies who had consumed the drug, and so more of those babies would be born. But it requires an extraordinarily elaborate conspiracy theory to imagine that everybody is just standing by, that big pharma and the medical profession and government and science, that everybody's just standing by and allowing people to drop dead as a result of the vaccine because they're too afraid to actually sound the alarm. We've been talking a lot this week about the City of Toronto budget, and councillors are now getting their licks in. And uh, yesterday, uh, one group of councillors were... Saying, sounding the alarm effectively on the fact that the city has cut $500,000 from the tree maintenance budget. Uh, they also are grieving the fact that apparently there's less money that will be going toward maintenance of parks, although the city is actually going to spend $2 million more Uh, In order to address something that became a real issue this summer, I started noticing on social media and then we started talking about it. Sean McAuliffe is uh, a guy I sometimes turn to to talk about civic issues and basically about life in the city. And what he was flagging was that uh, bathrooms were not open in parks. And if they were, they were not properly maintained. Fountains were not turned on. And that's part of life in the city. You know, I I know for some people it sounds almost trivial, the idea that, oh, well, you can't find a bathroom in a public park. Well, that you know, try getting over 50. And you may discover the the more urgent need for washrooms on a regular basis. And the city was definitely wanting in that department this past summer. Um, but one of the issues that this particular group of counselors is sounding the alarm over is deferred tree maintenance for example which you know down the road could end up biting us in the butt
0: subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of the breakfast wrap with John Moore
1: and it was Elvis's birthday quite recently wasn't it because I think he and David Bowie have the same birthday uh, January 8th is when Elvis is okay was. and if memory serves from something I was reading he would have been 88 years old on that particular birthday and let it never be forgotten Elvis was actually a twin, but his twin did not survive. I've been uh, building a file on twin stories, actually, for a podcast I've been working on that I call Backstories. And the way that particular podcast works is we take something that's in the news right now and then tell a bunch of stories that have something in common with it. So the very first episode, which we haven't released because what I want to do is kind of Malcolm Gladwell style, I want to get to where we have like eight of these, and then we'll just post them and you can enjoy. Uh, but the very first one was inspired by Harry and Meghan. And it's all about people who tried to get away from being royals and you know, what that led to. So as mentioning in the five things you need to know, the federal transportation minister, Omar al saying that he's not to blame for the chaos that prevailed during Christmas time as concerns transportation. And I tend to be somewhat sympathetic in all of this because, first of all, there's almost nothing in common between the troubles that were suffered by multiple transportation providers. If you have a derailment, then you simply cannot run via rail. If you have a tree fall on a train, that's not the same as a derailment. But again, it's not something that some federal minister has power over. And at the risk of being kind of judgy... If people choose to fly with a discount airline and end up with substandard service, it's kind of what you bought, isn't it? And then when it comes to the snow that interfered with a lot of people's plans, again, there is no government power to affect the weather. So yeah, I mean, I guess you can disagree if you'd like to, and you can always send me a text at seven ten ten. 10 but I just I don't see a commonality in terms of what was affecting transportation during Christmas and I also don't see a level of government purview or responsibility for many of the things that uh, that went wrong. So there's been another case of a Toronto home being listed for sale without the owners actually knowing about it. Uh, in this case, you may have heard the case we were talking about, I think it was last week, but it was a couple who left the country for a good long time. And when they came back, somebody had listed and sold their house and somebody else was living in it. In this case, this was a home uh, owned by a guy who was 95 years old. His family moves him into a senior's residence and the house is sitting vacant and somebody lists it for sale. And they actually got a flurry of offers. And intriguingly, I guess, it probably eventually would have been listed for sale, but perhaps by the heirs to this particular man or by his estate, not by some complete and utter strangers who had uh, rented the home. Um, But I guess, you know, we talked to Tim Hudak about this a while back. He's with the Ontario Real Estate Association. And he was saying that title insurance is probably always a good idea but I have to think also that the responsibility for this sort of thing falls to the real estate lawyers and the real estate agents who are not properly vetting the people who come through their offices. But I guess for the most part, you know, because I've engaged in various transactions, as you probably have as well, and I have to hand my passport over to the lawyer who then photocopies it and puts it into the records. Your average lawyer probably presumes that you're not using a fraudulent piece of ID as you're transacting for real estate. It's 551. There is a massive lottery jackpot in the united states it's the uh, mega millions ticket and the latest translates the latest jackpot and i suppose it'll probably go up again is in canadian dollars 1.8 billion dollars nbc news radio national correspondent aaron real is here good morning aaron did you buy a ticket
2: good morning and no i haven't but i i probably should and i, I do that thing towards the end where i'm like oh should i what if but statistically not likely. Uh, statistically, almost impossible. <laughs> but someone will win, and in fact, this is the second largest drawing in Mega Millions history. It, the one point three five. It's because Tuesday night's drawing saw no winner, and we actually did see the second tier prize take home sixteen thirteen million dollar wins. Excuse me, not thirteen three million dollar wins. I don't want to get that wrong. But that's the second uh, the second place prize. I mean. Not bad for a day's work. Also, Friday the 13th, it has actually been a lucky day when it comes to Mega Million players over the years. There's been six previous jackpots, one on this day. Michigan seems to be a place where a lot of those tickets are are purchased. We've had four jackpots there, 2008, 11, 14, 17. New York, you guys can shoot right over the border and grab a ticket if you want. Friday the 13th saw a winner there in 2009. Ohio had a winner in 2015. And the last jackpot was won at uh, $502 million. That was on October 14th. And there were two winning tickets in California and Florida. This is all according to Mega Millions. But since then, there's been more than 33 million tickets that have been sold, including 68 players who took home a million or more. So there are smaller winnings, and those are more statistically
1: likely. Thank you, Aaron. Good to have you. Have a good day. Aaron Real with NBC News. And uh, Joe Cristiano, you're heading off to the United States. Are you planning on buying lottery tickets today? I am now. I mean, when you convert that to Canadian dollar,
2: it's $1.8 Yeah, know. it's worth a dollar or it's, whatever a Mega Millions ticket costs. But
1: it's such irrational behavior. I'll never understand why the bigger the jackpot, the more people buy in. And yet, by probability, the less likely it is that they're going to win anything. Don't ruin this for me. I've already counted how I'm going to spend it. Well, you know, I loathe gambling. I always say there's only a couple of things I maintained as a result of being raised in the United Church, and one of them was being a ferocious anti-gambler.
3: So, Joe, if you do win, you'll be working from home?
2: Yes, from my billion-dollar estate.
1: Okay. That is The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon.
0: You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.